Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey there. Before you start listening, please make sure to subscribe to this podcast. This episode contains language and content of an explicit nature. Listener discretion is advised. Before a song is released, a record is produced, or a chorus is written, the musicians that write them think a lot. They live a lot, and they feel a lot. Before the chorus dives into the stories and experiences that shape these artists, and ultimately, the music we hear. I'm your host, Sophia Lepercaro, and this episode's guest is Madison Cunningham. So many times in my life I can point to moments where saying the thing that you're afraid to say out loud because you feel like it's going to sound horrible or like inhumane or like just it's going to put you on an island or something it's like it's usually the thing that unites you with other humans they're like oh yeah i've thought the same thing you're not you're not strange you're not alone hey welcome back for another episode it is me sophia Today, oh my god, it's the final interview of 2023. Holy shit. Um, where do I even begin? Actually, um, you know what? I'm going to get into the, the sappy stuff a little later. First, um, I, I want to tell you about what I've been up to this week, as I always do now. First of all, uh, this past Sunday, I went to... An incredible um, tribute night to the great George Harrison, hosted by a group called Open Folk. They are present in cities around the world, including Buenos Aires, even Raleigh, North uh, Carolina, I believe Madrid as well, and of course here in Los Angeles. I spoke about them a little more at length over on my Instagram and my TikTok, so that's at Before the Chorus Podcast on Instagram and at Before the Chorus on TikTok. So if you want to hear even more about that incredible night and see some of the footage from it, definitely go check that out. And also go and check out Open Folk if they are in your city. Normally they have artists come and perform original songs and it's all like up and coming folk artists from the area or who are passing through town. Um, and so it's a really great way to connect to your local music scene. And then of course, occasionally they do really special events like this where they're honoring someone else in this case, again, the iconic George Harrison. It was so much fun. And again, you can learn a whole lot more about it if you go over to the Instagram or the TikTok. Other than that, it has been a very busy week. Um, On Monday, you know, went back and did my line dancing for the last time this year, which felt very bittersweet. I guess it was just a, you know, I'm going to miss it because I'm going to be gone for a few weeks, but it was lovely to get to take a moment to reflect on how much going to stud country has really impacted me this year. I spoke about that one, or I spoke about stud country and its impact on me quite a bit on the episode that either the, on the bonus episode I did recently, where I talk about some of my favorite music memories from this past year. Um, it's a, a wonderful, wonderful community. Um, then on Tuesday, me and a friend went to go and see the 
uh, a screening of a taping of Waitress the Musical um, with Sarah Bareilles, who wrote the musical in the lead role. I've said it before, I'm sure, but I am a big musical theater fan. Waitress is one of my favorite musicals. Um, it is so beautifully written and such a celebration of letting people be their imperfect selves um, and also learning how to stand up for yourself and what you deserve in your life. And it's so good. You know, I constantly say, I think in the muso community or the music nerd community, if you want to call it, musical theater sometimes gets overlooked. It's it's a divisive one for people, but I think it's such a powerful art form. It is such an incredible place for people to learn how to tell stories through music. Um, and I will sing its praises forever. Um, yeah. And also, it's a really funny musical, too. So if I don't, I think that the, it's a limited run. Um, I don't know if it's still screening anywhere, but if it is still screening in your city, I cannot recommend it more. You will have a wonderful time. You'll laugh. You'll cry. You'll feel all the things that you want to feel when you go and see a show. Um, yeah. And then on Wednesday, I went to see one of my previous guests, the wonderful Vagabond, perform at Lodge Room here in L.A., she is awesome. Um, I did get to go see her a few weeks ago playing at a backyard show, which was incredible as well. But it was really great to see her with like the full setup. Her saxophone slash bassist slash keyboardist Michael um, was doing all this like looping with his saxophone that was so insanely gorgeous. He did like a really special intro for um, the song Water Me Down. That was just delicious. Also, um, I remember speaking to Vagabond at this particular backyard show a few weeks ago, and she was saying, you have to come for the opener. It's this artist called Nourished by Time. He's amazing. She wasn't wrong. Um, I am going to be releasing uh, my like artist tips for 2024 really soon. And I had already made my list, um, but I'm adding it to I'm adding him to it last minute because I was so unbelievably impressed by him it's kind of like like boo boo era toro Imwa meets king cruel meets i don't know like much more like upbeat house music it's it's vibrant at times uh and camp at times it can also be like murky and weird and he just kind of meshes all of these incredible sounds together i am so fucking excited to see what this guy does next and you should definitely be too. So go and check out Nourished by Time. All right, before I get into um, this this episode's guest, as promised, I'm going to be sappy for a minute because this is the final episode of 2023, or the not the final episode, sorry, because I've still got those two bonus episodes coming out, but the final interview or regular episode, if you will, of the year. Um this has been a wild year for me in a lot of ways, um, both personally and professionally. Um, for one, early this year, I left my job to try and do this whole podcasting thing full time. Um, I have learned so much about creating content, about standing up for myself as a business owner, about how I want to tell stories and how I want to affect people, how I want my guests to leave feeling and I've come off of it with, you know, still a lot to learn and still a lot to grow for, grow from, 
but also a sort of trust in myself and trust that I know what I want and trust that I have a sense of direction. And that feels really, really good. And I am so grateful. I say it often, especially at this time of year, but I am so unbelievably grateful to you for listening to this, for supporting me. You know, this podcast is still still a tiny little thing, but you listening to it, one, means the world because it tells me that someone gives a shit about what I'm doing. It means that the artists get to be heard and their stories get to be heard, and I want that for them. And it means that I I can keep doing this and I can keep building it and making this my life, which I'm so happy for. Even though I had some times this year where, you know, I, I burnt out or I was questioning how much I really love this. Once I I was able to kind of get to like a healthier balance with how I work and the expectations I put on myself, I was able to come back to how much I really, really love this. And so, again, getting to be kind of affirmed by by people like you who are listening that I should be doing this and this is worth the time is really, really wonderful. So thank you. Um Speaking of what I said before, I've said it, well, I've, I've mentioned it in previous episodes and I'll say it again, you know, working on something that you are passionate about is an absolute privilege and a joy and I'm so happy to do what I do, but I think sometimes we let it be all-consuming in a way that isn't healthy. We set expectations for ourselves that are impossible and in my case, they made me start to resent my work, especially as... A person with OCD and the way that manifests for me and the fact that I put expectations on myself that are literally impossible. Um, I think what I'm just trying to say is you're still allowed to find your balance. And when you do find your balance, you end up loving what you're doing even more because you're not harboring resentment for the parts of you that are not meeting up to your impossible standards or the standards that you seem to think that other people are putting on you. Don't worry about that stuff. Um, do what you need to do. Um, give yourself rest where you need to. Set your boundaries. And it'll be so much easier to love the work that you are doing. And, I mean, hey, you're still going to have to embrace some of the difficult parts and the ugly parts and the boring parts of of a job. No thing that is worth doing is going to be sunshine and rainbows all the time. Anyone who is in a long-term relationship could easily tell you that as well. But as long as it is fulfilling you on a deeper level, and again, you are constantly working to address the things that may not be healthy that you've created yourself for yourself within that, then it'll continue to be fulfilling and wonderful. And I feel really glad that I found that for myself this year and that I kind of had that moment of reckoning because it's brought me back into a feeling so much stronger. It's also reinforced my message that I want to share with my audience about, you know, reminding people that there's no right or wrong way to consume music, to participate in this culture, to work in this industry, if that's what you choose as well. I want it to be a space where all of us are welcome. And if I wasn't being welcoming to myself, how am I supposed to be welcoming to other people in a truly genuine way? So again, I'm I'm glad that I found that and I'm glad that 
it makes it even more special to get to to share with you. Okay, I think I'm going to leave it on the sappy stuff. Um, I could probably go on and on, but again, I am, I'm just, I'm leaving this year feeling so grateful and so excited for next year. And I am very grateful to talk about today's guest, Madison Cunningham. I've heard so many people raving about Madison for a while now. Like I've had several friends be like, oh, you have to check out Madison Cunningham. You would absolutely love her. Um, and they were right. Her music is unbelievable. Um, specifically, actually, I want to share some, a couple lovely little tangents about, you know, people telling me about Madison's music. For one, when I interviewed Flight a few episodes ago, um, back when I did the interview, I think Nick was off like taking care of something and Madison came up and Will from Flight was like, we're watching her tiny desk right now. You have to listen to Madison Cunningham. So he like put his laptop in front of me, put it on and we just sat and listened. And I was like, okay, yeah, she's, she is unbelievable. And then same, um, on that same trip, when I got back to my friend's place in London, we were talking about her. She was talking about, um, how the first time she heard her song Life According to Rachel, it made her cry. And so we then sat and listened to Revealer in its entirety on on my friend's record player. What I love about Madison's music is she really brings together two of my absolute favorite things. You know, the sort of heartfelt, nuanced, narrative writing that you find from really great folk artists with some of the coolest guitar riffs that you will ever hear and just an overall strong musicianship you know it's not just like a few basic chords it's so sonically rich so you just get this like total complete package you are moved by the lyrics you are inspired by her creativity and her her musicianship and so the whole experience of listening to her music is just so absolutely magical and she's someone that I respect as a person and as an artist on top of everything else. So it was such a privilege to get to talk to her. I think this record revealer is profoundly relatable as well. You know, it's a lot of facing hard truths and kind of looking inward and asking yourself questions about, you know, am I prioritizing the right things in my life? Am I chasing a high or am I pursuing something worthwhile? Maybe I'm doing both at the same time, especially, you know, it being written from her perspective as um, a young creative, um, something that I can easily relate to. It was really, really interesting. And again, for me, something that I felt very validated in listening to. Um, as always, I'm not going to tease much more than that because I really want to let her do the talking. So with all this, I'm leaving you with my final interview of 2023 with Madison Cunningham. We're going to talk. So we're going to talk about uh, we're going to talk about the deluxe edition of Revealer, because that means there's just more things that I get to analyze and rummage through. Great. No one has ever wanted to talk about it yet. So I'm really excited. Well, we're going to do it now. This is. We're going to start in a kind of funnier place, but I noticed very randomly that throughout the record you use a lot of scientific imagery for some reason. <laughs> and it's funny because like 
in in certain songs you kind of like depict yourself as having more of like a I don't know, not like a, I don't know, metaphysicals or like you're, you're, it seems like your worldview isn't like all like numbers and stuff. And yet Mm. you use a lot of this kind of Hmm. imagery. So I'm curious as to why that is. Oh, I mean, I'm completely bullshitting, but (laughs) (laughs) that's, that's a gift of mine. No, but I, I mean that I, I think some of the imagery that I use, like, like I'm trying to think like rocket to land and from Japan, like Mm -hmm. I've never been to Japan. I don't know what that really means. It's just kind of like a lyric that felt good to sing and and kind of made sense in retrospect. Mm. It's kind of a fun place to start. And I feel like a lot of the lyrics on that record were were just like me just like singing things that sounded good and then making sense out of them from there. So Mm. like I'm not, I am not into science. I'm not a scientist or, I mean, that's no surprise to anyone who's ever (laughs) talked to me, but um yeah, I, I I think what what lyrics are you talking about? I'm well, I mean, for one, you do have a song called Collider Particles. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, I I just liked that phrase, and then I wrote it with a guy named Mickey Echo, and um, we kind of just I, I, honestly like I was severely depressed when I wrote the album because I had to write it during twenty twenty. And then it was just kind of like, it was just me just trying to f- make sense of my inner thought life and my personal life and certain things kind of started to fall apart. And it's funny, I'm going through a, a, a really interesting life phase now, which I won't necessarily get into, but I, the record actually speaks to what I'm going through now in a lot of ways that I couldn't have like predicted or didn't it's funny how songs can kind of um, point you to the future without you realizing that they do. I mean, life also sometimes has a bit of a cyclical quality to it where, yeah, especially, and also like if you're talking about things on a level where they can, I guess, mean more than one thing, then of course they're going to come back and of course it's going to hit back again. Yeah. Um, I guess going off what you were just saying about like the period of time that you were in when you wrote this, I know having been through similar things, because I also suffer with depression, mm. um, it kind of forces you, at least I think just from a, a point of survival, you kind of have to stare at yourself straight in the face yeah. and like take stock because it kind of becomes like a sink or swim moment. Exactly right. And that was the most painful part about it because I think for me, there's, there's certain... Um, muscles I can sort of fall back on which is like musicality or it's technicality or whatever it is it's like I can I can write a song from that place but when I was doing that I've started to feel incredibly um disconnected from the tunes and I think it took a certain amount of fortitude to finally just be like okay this is like the this is I'm gonna let the messiness shine through and for the sake of saying something true and um, to get to that point is, I, I'm always surprised at how long it takes to say something that I'm like, okay, that's that's what I mean. That's the naked way of saying it. Because um, I think there's just a lot of, again, there's a lot of barriers that maybe I, I put up to keep myself from vulnerability or saying something that maybe, you know, when said out loud feels like no one else is going to be able to relate to it. 
or it'll be like too strange, which is again, a, kind of a very cocky thing to think that like you're the only one who's ever been through like depression or like, but it's not, it's, it's sometimes it's a clunky thing to, to try and voice and articulate. Yeah. And you actually talk about that in one of the songs on this record. Right? Remind one. me what I say, because I'm I, I on inventing that's great. the wheel. You're literally saying oh, you're not the first person to feel this. It's kind of yeah. saying you're not alone in having experienced whatever it is you're experiencing. That was the last song I wrote for that um, record cycle, and it didn't make it on um, the the album. And I actually regret it a little bit because I feel like it really summed up the whole idea of what I was trying to like claw at um in in a more effortless way than some of the other songs I think all of the songs have their purpose um whether it's musically or just like from a narrative standpoint but that one felt like it embodied kind of all of it um so that's why it made it on the deluxe version later but in retrospect I think it just should have been with the lot well I'm glad it made it uh even if it was on the deluxe edition I'm glad it's here now Thanks. Yeah. It's it's <laughs> nice to be reminded of that. Cause yeah, it's like on one hand, it can be like a weird like when you when you remember that you're not alone and having experienced something, like you said, on one hand, it can be kind of like a knock on your ego of like you're not special because you're not the only one to experience this. But there's also a peace that you can gain from it because you don't feel I don't know, it's again, it's such a cheesy thing to say, but it makes it easier to talk about when you know that other people have experienced it. Completely. And I you know, for me, so many times in my life, I can point to moments where saying the thing that you're afraid to say out loud because you feel like it's going to sound horrible or like inhumane or like just it's going to put you on an island or something. It's like it's usually the thing that unites you with other humans. They're like, yeah. oh, yeah, I've thought the same thing. You're not you're not strange. You're not alone, you know. Um, and God, uh, during the during the pandemic which is a word I've said a lot over the last three years but we all have we all have unfortunately <laughs> and I, I should probably use a pop filter for pandemic but um yeah I anyway during that time it was it was really important to be able to like talk to other people more than more than it ever was and you know I'm I'm an introvert so I definitely isolate myself from myself even like sometimes I can just like feel alone in my thoughts and not know how to like speak about them or like articulate them. And I'm going through a phase now where I'm like, I have to, or else I'm just going to drown in myself and drown in, you know, I don't know, in in isolation. And I don't want to do that. I want to like, it's, I don't know. It's kind of, it's uh, sobering to realize again that you're not like the only one who's ever, suffered like humans do (laughs) no and it's it's important to remember I mean like for your own sake like you want to make sure that you're you're giving yourself the opportunity to connect it with people and and nurture those connections because it feels good but also and this is something I think that you talk about a little bit on this record which is the idea of remembering not to take the people that you love for granted yeah um and there's like a few instances of that and yeah. it's such a beautiful and in, like it's it's a, a hard reminder that we all have to have but it's so important because it goes both ways for that person and for ourselves right exactly yeah I, that that was another thing that happened was I lost my grandmother um and you know I was writing the album probably six months leading up to that moment and just felt like I kept 
hitting dead ends and just didn't know what I was trying to say. But I knew that there was something in me that felt unsettled and I, I, something that needed to be released and to be said. But when she died, it felt like it was like, oh, that's what this whole time is about. We're all facing our mortality and the choices that we have to make within that, which are like making sure that we, we understand our priorities and what it is that we really want out of our lives because it's so easy to just put your head down and be like, I want to be successful. I want to be respected. I want to be independent, whatever it is. And then at the end of the day, um, the people in our lives are the things that make us feel whole. Um, and I really felt that when she died, I remember I still have this text message from her that I didn't respond to. And I just thought, like, I'll get to that tomorrow. Um, I don't really know how to respond to what she asked me or whatever. Um, or I was too stressed out or whatever it was. I don't remember what the excuse was, but I I was too late and she passed away. And I just, I still have it on my phone and I, I think about it and it sits there. And I, you know, one thing that's helpful is I don't know that death ever comes at a convenient time. I don't know that you're ever going to be without your guilt and your regret it's just because there's never enough time to with somebody yeah um but also one strange thing about that song too is um i was in montana with some friends and um three nights before she passed away from a stroke very unexpected unexpectedly i woke up in the middle of the night with the chorus melody in my head and i sang it into my phone and that truly is a very rare occurrence that never really happens to me. Um, but I really liked it. I was like, what an interesting melody. That's uh, maybe I'll use that one day. And then she passed away three days later. And right when I got home, the whole song like just came out at one time. And for, for me in the way that I write that never, ever, ever happens. I'm always taking like months at a time to like collage things together and, write and rewrite, write and rewrite. And this one was just like, there was no room for my pettiness or perfectionism. It was just like, the pang of grief was very clear. And I was able to say like, what I wanted to say to her because of that like, um, severe pain, which is just so interesting. I've never experienced anything like it. And I, I'm sure I will again. (laughs) I don't know if a song will come as a result of it, but, um, I just, I found that to be uh, really sobering and it, I, it taught me a lot. Like grief is like a, um, it's a eye opener. Like it just, it's just, it's a showstopper. It's just like, you cannot escape it. You can't out drink it. You can't run away from it. You just have to sit in it. Yeah. It's, it makes me think of that line on hospital. Even heartache looks so easy to a pair of grieving eyes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah right like grief comes in so many different forms um it's not to diminish heartache because that sucks too yeah but grief when you really lose something and you know you can't access it again it does make the little heartaches that we have in our lives feel so like um i i I guess minor yeah i guess it like you said it doesn't invalidate them but it puts them into perspective and kind of reminds you like you're going to be okay in a way as, as hard as that seems in the face of something as big as grief. Like, yeah. Again, it just, I don't know. I don't know what I'm trying to say. I guess like, yeah, it kind of 
all these kind of like hills and valleys and stuff like we we do find our way over them and yeah and you know like I really appreciate a song like this because as you know we I briefly mentioned this before we started recording and we will touch on it after like especially being creative people and because of the nature of our work that is so based on ourselves and so internal and promoting ourselves and all that it can be very easy to and actually also that it's a very all-consuming you know career path to be in a creative space we can get very myopic about the way that we look at life like we're very like I have to be so focused on my stuff and you know I like I have one surviving grandmother at this point like all three of my other grandparents have passed and I am ashamed to admit that as a kid I definitely took her for granted especially yeah like I'm from an Italian family and we're like all like extremely close-knit and so there's this kind of like balance of you wanting to go off and be your own like little weird kid and but like that line of like you talking about like her watching the cars like waiting for one of them to pull up like my grandmother literally every time that I call her is like oh I'm waiting for you like I'm excited to see you I have chills thinking about that and also to to your point about like feeling ashamed about that I, I don't think that there's any other way I don't think you should feel ashamed about that because I think that is kind of the cycle of the way life works. It's like when you're also at the age we're at now where we're like young adults and we're trying to piece together what what we love out of life and what we want out of it. And that's so fucking confusing and scary. Um, you can't avoid that part of life either. Like you're, Like our grandparents hit a phase where it was like, okay, now their focus and their main mode of existence is based on, you know, these things that are not always going to be around for them. Like either it's grandkids or because like it's not guaranteed that they still have friends or their family. And it's such an interesting, like isolating time of life. Um, But also like one thing that life, according to Rachel, I tried to touch on was, was like also the validation that that um, being a young adult is hard, and that I'm sure our grandparents, if they, you know, tried to, could sympathize with that time and remember what it was like to be stressed and swimming and doubts about yourself and also just trying to like pay rent, <laughs> like things as menial as that. Um, and I, I I don't know. It's just an interesting. There's no way to really avoid any of it. No. And I don't think that you shy away from that on on the album. Like, you're very good at kind of looking at things from the various lenses. I think, like, all I've ever known is such a good example of that because it kind of feels like trying to understand the two sides of the coin. Like, the, mm. you know, the young person that's off exploring their own thing. And maybe, I, I, I don't know what your, like, where you grew up and what your upbringing was like, but, like, you almost feel like it's this other I guess, entity like family or friends or former community that has their own other way of life. And like, that's what they know. And this is what you know. And it's trying to understand the two sides of that. Yeah. And, and and trying to understand like how you come back to the thing that you were, you were raised in, um, when everything is, is constantly changes, especially when, like for me as a, um, as a musician and as someone who, you know, became like a serial traveler as a result. Like I did, I felt like I changed like every time I came back 
And that's kind of what that song is about. Um, will I, when I see you again, will I know what to say is, is, um, the question that I always felt like I kind of had swirling around in my head when I would come home. Cause there's so much to like, how do you, where do you begin to explain, well, you know, your experiences or like what, you know, what starts to mold and form your worldview. It's like so many gradual things do that. Um, so yeah, that song means something different to me now, which I love how, you know, certain songs have the ability to do that. But when I was, I was out with, um, a guy named Hosier for two months, casual, just casual, (laughs) casual, (laughs) casual gig. Um, and yeah, we were, we were playing all these, arenas like I've, I'd never done that and um you know I kind of lost my nerves because like the more people that you play to it feels like you're playing to no one almost and it was so fun because I feel like we just got to like kind of fuck around on stage and didn't, like no one really cared um but the songs hit me in a new way and and they're like three years old at this point but I was like I had all of these new experiences that fit into them and I think it's really important in songwriting to leave um, like an X factor or leave like, like sort of a blank page within them that your new experiences can kind of fill. And that's what I wanted to do with this record. And I, I was kind of relieved to know that I could still like, like the, the person that I was three years later could still sing them and mean them and yeah, you know, yeah. Sort things out in them. It leaves room for you to evolve, but still connect back. Yeah. 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 Thanks for summarizing that. A little spiel. Well, you did a really good job with it, so it's all good. Um, Kind of in the similar realm, um, with sunshine over the counter, like, even though, you know, right now we're talking about this idea of how, as your life changes, you know, like, it almost feels like you're becoming this totally different person from the people you grew up with. Yeah. But for me, at least the way I read it, and I always say this, please correct me if I'm totally off base because that's why I do this podcast. But like the thing is, you're not off base if that's what you took from it. This is true. But in in the sense of like learning about the what your story was of it, it doesn't mean it doesn't mean that mine is not valid. It means that I also want to know your original idea behind it. It's a dialogue, correct. Exactly. (laughs) Um, But there was that kind of idea. I think the black sheep is the wrong word because it carries a negative connotation, but it's like a feeling that I know, like I'm very close with my family. I love them, but I'm again, I'm the weird creative kid who Hmm. moved to London for three years and now lives in LA and is like romping around with my music friends. And like that seed was always there. Yeah. And I feel like sunshine over the counter kind of touches on that, like already feeling like, you know, that you're different from the other people in your, your family. Totally. And reckoning with that. Totally. And there's a messiness in it too because you know being being misunderstood by your family is um it was always such a romantic idea to me I was like oh that's beautiful all the artists that I admire have had have come from you know broken homes and you know it's just a beautiful thing you're making art from that place and I think now I look at it as it's it's a very isolating thing to feel like you to be brave enough to do the thing that is true to you even if that means breaking like family molds or like traditions or whatever that is. And that, that has definitely been the case for me. I grew up in a um, religious household and did music in church and then leaving that was really hard and like lonely and scary. And you know, there's no guarantees on the other side of doing that, but it was just something that felt 
true to me. And, and, and very early on, I had to learn how to listen to like my inner compass and learning how to trust your gut is like a very, (laughs) it's a very difficult process. I still don't quite trust it. Um, I'll admit, but, um, I, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a scary thing to feel like your family's just kind of like, she'll come around one day. She'll realize that this is just a phase or whatever it is. And it's like, that's only you can know that it was there from the beginning. Only you know yourself, um, the best, like only you can know yourself Mm. in that way. And that comforts me. Um, every decision that I've made, I have a certain amount of trust that like, and maybe it's, um, naive, but that it's going to be okay. Even as, you know, despite my mistakes, it's also going to be okay. Like life has a way of kind of sorting itself out in a weird twisted way. I think it's still good to be good to people and kind to people. That's a mantra that is very important to me, but yeah, but, um, it's, I, I don't know. I think, I think being your own person can be, uh, satisfying, but very lonely. Yeah. I mean, you find your people eventually. Yeah. Um, and that's a beautiful thing, but yeah, it's, it is that. I think also when you're going against the grain, like you said, with learning to trust your gut, it takes a minute because, and it, but it doesn't always have to necessarily be that like people around you are aggressively against it. Like it can also sometimes be people that you get along with great and that do like support you, but at the same time, don't quite get it. Like there's so like whatever someone's experience of that is, whether it be like staunch, like opposition, or it's the kind of like, I want to see you like, you know, live out your dreams, but like my way of living is so different and you've never seen an example of that. Right. Like that's, it, it is hard when when that's not your normal and that's not like overtly like encouraged um, or or subconsciously not or whatever. And this is not necessarily me speaking for myself entirely. It can like it's everything. But yeah, I feel like I'm starting to get a bit vague now. But it, anyway, what I'm just trying to say is unless like the way that you are or you choose to live is constantly in, reinforced around you. Yeah especially as a kid, it's hard to learn how to trust yourself. Right. Like I think something you just touched on was also like, even when people support you with good intentions, but they don't understand, even that can feel isolating. Yeah. Cause it's, I think we all just deeply want to be understood and we want to be seen and, um, validated in, in, in that way. Um, but yeah, it's also like, I don't know, we, we can get caught in traps of trying to please people in order to be seen. And I think, I think those are, it's, it's a really, really blurry line of how to keep those things separate and how to just, I don't know, like loving, learning how to love yourself and learning how to be an individual is like, for me, going to be a lifelong process. Yeah. I'm sure same for me. Um, for all of us, I'm sure. Yeah. I hope. That's a beautiful thing. I hope it's a lifelong journey full of curiosity and um, evolving. And yeah, it's painful though. Yeah. But the more you can approach it with curiosity instead of fear, yeah. the, the better it gets. Mm-hmm. My therapist tells me all the time. <laughs> um, weirdly speaking of people pleasing, and this might be me projecting just because of how 
like some things that I've experienced that made me kind of connect with the song, but your hate could power a train. Mm. Um, for me, I kind of read it as finally realizing who someone really is mm-hmm. and also being really frustrated that no one else seems to realize who they really are. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And the person, it's, it's usually a person that like holds a lot of sway or power sort of. And so you yeah. feel kind of crazy, but also there's a piece of you that has to admit to yourself, like, but if they validated me or gave me the attention that I needed, I would take it. Yeah. And I wouldn't be strong enough to fight against it kind of yeah yeah all i'll say is i learned a lot about covert narcissism this year Uh (laughs) (laughs) uh-huh same i actually just started listening to a podcast on it which is really interesting there's i'm sure there's like it it always takes like a person in your life that will prompt you to look up that phrase and what it really means yeah (laughs) that term (laughs) yeah but it's i'm trying to even figure out what i'm trying to say here but yeah, it was nice to see that kind of recognized in a song. I mean, it's funny that song started out as like a a, a kind of sweet um, chordal tune, and I was like, "Oh, this is really beautiful and windy." And I had that chorus, "Your Hate Could Power a Train," because I thought that is such a cool line, and I was trying to construct the song around it, and I just couldn't get into the mind of the anger that the phrase had and so I ended up like changing it completely and finding that weird really like pervy twisted line and it to me the 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 importance of getting the the anger and sort of frantic feeling across was making sure that the song never stopped moving and kept really like sharp edges and I wanted it to feel exactly like a a locomotive so like the from the drums to the bass to the guitar line just never stops moving. Yeah. It maintains a certain amount of like um, chaos the whole time. And I, I you know, I, I anger was an emotion that I never really saw um, growing up in my family. I never really saw my parents get mad or get in arguments. And um, I think it's such an important uh, emotion and to learn how to be angry in a constructive way. And so that song was really important for me to write because I've never really written angry songs. <laughs> and I really love playing it because I always have some sort of anger to pour into it, um, even more so now recently. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that felt like staring in a mirror because I learned a lot about, on a personal level, I learned a lot about learning how to yeah experience anger. Like, I don't know if, like me, who are a recovering people pleaser. Um, Completely. Yeah. Well, recovering codependent, as they say. All of it. Yeah, I figure, I figure when I was reading some of this, because, yeah, like learning how to allow yourself to be angry when you're a people pleaser and you're so used to like turning everything inwards on yourself yeah. or trying to be compassionate to why someone was behaving. It's like, they still hurt you. Totally. And, and it's completely valid for you to say, you hurt me. Yes. And I, I'm always afraid of becoming a burden or becoming, because my, my fear of that paralyzes me and I don't know how to, again, it comes back to the not knowing how to articulate hurt, which is, which is also, it's really important to do. Otherwise it festers and then it gets infected and like, you know, you have to be able to express anger or hurt or, and, and it not, not like in a bombastic way, but in a way that's like, it's communication. That's yeah. what it is. <laughs> Absolutely. 
I feel like what everything we're talking about also influences uh, who are you now? Yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That, you know, it's funny. I, I had taken that. Um, well, I, I have to tell this sort of in the reverse. So when I was putting out that album, Who Are You Now? Mm-hmm. I had a song called Who Is She Now? Yeah. And I needed a title for the album. Couldn't finish that song for the life of me. So I just took it and changed it to Who Are You Now? And made it the title of that record. And then it came back around for this next album. And I thought it would be just kind of cheeky to put the album title in and turn it into a song title and finish the song. And I ended up writing it about a friendship that ended. Um, and it kind of ended in a, in a strangely ugly way. And um, it's definitely a bit cutting, but it tries to be, it, it aims to be sympathetic towards this person. Cause it was, I, I could also relate to them and understood why our friendship started to fray and um, kind of fracture. But uh, yeah, that's another totally like a, like a deceptively kind of, angry song with some kind chords yeah i mean i i'm a big believer that anger and empathy can coexist and i think this is a song that kind of exemplifies that yeah i'm trying to remember well i need to pull it in my notes there was a line in it i really really liked it was it's not the notes you play but all the notes you imply i Mm. really really like that it's like a yeah it's like a line for for this person being passive aggressive too yeah it's like all the things that you just like all the things that they never really said, but they would claw at and would leave me to sort of uh, kind of sleuth and pick apart, you know? Which is the worst thing ever. Like, you know, we we said earlier, just like anger is part of communication too. Like as long as you're not like just running in and screaming at someone, like in your, like you said, kind of expressing it in a healthy way. Yeah. Like... It's better to do that than leave someone to like walk on eggshells with you. And if I don't, then it's on me. Like I, I yes. have to, we all as individuals have to be able to take responsibility for the things that hurt us and learn how to, um, learn that it is constructive to communicate those things. And, and, you know, sometimes people on the other end aren't ready to hear it and whatever. So it gets, yeah. it's just, it's, it always just feels quite, uh, quite risky. I always feel that there's an immense amount of, um, there's like a gamble in honesty always because you don't know where the other person is or like if they're ready to receive yeah. it. Yeah, and in learning how to be at peace with that and remind yourself that that's not your fault, you know, yeah. it's hard. Like it's <sighs> funny, I, even just like examining the way that you write on this record, like I can see there's a lot of self-examination on this record. Yeah. Like a lot of being able to, you know, examine both the things that you've done right and the things that you've done wrong. But seeing those little seeds of you starting to be able to examine other people too. Yeah. In a, like in a, like healthily critical way is really cool. And I, as a rule of thumb, I, I try to not ever just analyze somebody else without analyzing myself first. Because I think it's really important to keep that sequence. Um, otherwise, it's just pointing fingers and using someone as a punching bag. Um, so yeah, I, I do a lot of I do a little bit of self-deprecation too. I think there's there's a healthy amount of that that is 
um, that makes for good songwriting. Yeah. <laughs> and it can be fun sometimes too. Like I think hospital has some good moments of that. Yeah. Like, what was the, oh yeah. The, there was like the, definitely the kind of like vibe of like, if I hurt or criticize myself first, then you can't before me. Right. Like there's, <laughs> yeah, exactly. it's like better to be in control of your own like self-deprecation than it, receiving it from someone else. Totally. Which can also be, it's funny. It can also be a wall that you put up actually. Massively. In order to not be told that you are in the wrong or that you could be doing better or that maybe you've hurt someone it's just like it's 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 a total it's a defense mechanism yeah it's like um what's the line um uh you'll never see me dying on screen or microscope yeah i'll be the person i'll be the first to laugh it off to not be the brunt of your joke that's the line that encapsulates that and then for me as a like a kid a good religious kid the line that comes next is really important it was really important to write, which was, uh, let me make a mistake. It'll come at its own cost because regrets like an infant that won't let you sleep it off. It's kind of like, let me have this. I'll pay for it later. Yeah. Because that's just kind of the way it works. Yeah. And I'll hold on to it forever and, and never you can't, let go. Yeah. <laughs> you can't really stop me from doing it. My mistakes are my own. Um, yeah. I don't know. I think, I think a lot of this album too is me just trying to fucking liberate myself because I just, you know, as a, again, as a, as a, people pleaser as just and all the my history I think I just felt like I was drowning in trying to make sure my label was happy with me my producer and my um my family it was like there was just a really contentious time and at the end of the day that song um Sarah and the Silent Crowd kind of encapsulated the final moment of the record for me which was just kind of being like it's only you and yourself to appease the silent crowd, which to me is like the voices in your head. Yeah. Which is the most, which are, which are the hardest to please usually, you know? And, and also the fact that like, you're going to, you're going to let people down. There's no way around that. And that is the only way that us people pleasers can be set free is knowing that it's an impossible journey to try and make sure that everybody likes you at all times there's it's just never gonna happen and it also makes for really shitty art yeah <laughs> so <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm learning that over and over and over again but yeah I think I think again the, the album is just trying to like find those ledges that I could hold on to to be like I, I I don't know I can't I can't make sense of making all these moving parts work that are like against each other and also I just have to like you know be be honest with myself and I don't know reach outside of my insecurities Revealer the Deluxe Edition is available now wherever you normally get your music this podcast is hosted edited and produced by myself Sophia Lobercaro and the artwork is by Meg Wilford Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.